networking, you know, by per definition is the the people that surround you. And if you fall, they're going to pick you up to have a foundation to stand on, to exchange experience with and be helped and get at the same time give help. Eh? Hi, my name is Baba, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Bye Baba podcast, Out of Office, featuring unconventional career paths with influential stories. This podcast aims to rewrite the script in which careers are discussed and how success is defined. Hosted by our very own senior creative manager, Jennifer Pazzioni. With her international background in editorial and an unconventional career path herself, She asked the most thoughtful and interesting questions. Join us as we sit down to hear firsthand the journeys, lessons learned, and advice from creative forces who manifested their own way. Today I am out of office with Alexandra Avli, founder and CEO of Han, also known as Her Online Network, a space for professional women to seek guidance, community, and growth alongside like-minded women. Han is rooted in the longing for a positive space where women get to design their own seat at the power table. Hi, Alex. Thank you for joining us on Out of Office. Wow. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for inviting me. So happy to have you here. What did you initially want to be when you grew up? I'm really a thinker and I have always been. Um, So first I was influenced by photography because I wanted something creative and that was like the first thing that came to mind because that was at the school that was creative. And then I started thinking, but who am I? Like, what is my purpose here? What is my story and what have I been gone through and where do I want to make a change? I came to Sweden when I was six years old as a child of war from the Balkan. So I remember always being very fascinated about foreign politics and politics in general and the effect that it has on people and I kind of just decided like out of the blue I wanted to work within foreign ministry I was gonna get into uh, um, UN or EU which is like top over Sweden's government and I was gonna be an ambassador or a diplomat that was my role I'm gonna prevent war from ever happening and now when I hear myself speaking, I really hear that is, you know, you just stumbled upon something and you decided like, I'm going to change the world suddenly because I, I can't be a photographer. I Now I can be a diplomat or an ambassador. That sounds more like me. Do you know, this is like how we are as people. We think where our nose falls. And that's literally where I just decided, okay, how do I get there? You know, so I started rolling backwards. Like, how do I become a diplomat? How do I become an ambassador? Well, then I need to move to Stockholm and I need to read uh, um, politics and economics. And then I need to be strategical. There's a, there was like a foreign ministry club mm-hmm. where we as students were, you know, yes, organizing exactly. it. So I was like, I'm going to be the president of that. Um, to make sure that when I apply for a good job later, I have merits. And I did, of course, and I got picked up and recruited by the then foreign minister of Sweden because I invited him to an event that I was organizing where I was talking about where are the women in politics? 
you know, especially in in war zones and in diplomacy and why are they being used as a tool and where are we on the front line? And no one was speaking about that then. And at the same time, we kind of got to know each other during that event that I was organizing. And he was like, how long before you're done with this? I was like, what do you mean? Like, your education. I'm like, "Eh, two years. He's like, well, I have a desk for you when you're done. Wow. And I was like, thinking that he was, that, that was just something that he was saying to everyone, you know. And I called him two years later. You and, did? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, remember you well. And I was like, glad to hear. And he offered me a job and I moved into the prime ministry. So that was literally the short version of my story of how I just, you know, stumbled upon, no, I'm not going to be a creative. I'm going to stop conflicts and wars instead because that's something that I experienced as a child and I never wanted someone to experience again. Do you feel that you were taught to follow a more conventional career path if it wasn't influenced, you know, from your mother through school or the Mm. society around Mm. you while you were growing up? that, you know, you were kind of meant to follow a traditional path? I think for my mom, because I I only grew up with my mom, for her, it was important that I just had a job. And she, to be honest, I don't think she really, really cared what kind of job. She just wanted me to be happy. And we, I grew up in circumstances that she really needed to work hard to be able to provide for us both. So she wasn't the mom that had time on like, honey, what do you want to be when you're big? Um, so I came to Sweden when I was six years old with my mom and literally two suitcases. And we fled from the Balkan War of 93-94. She had a feeling that soon things are going to explode here because there had been some like gunfire shots outside at home. And for her, it was just a signal that I don't want to be here anymore with my baby. So she just took this, the decision against, you know, the whole family's recommendation. She was just like, no, I'm not staying here. So she packed two suitcases and put me in a car and we just drove through Europe and living in different refugee camps, doing um, pretty much meeting other people that also were fleeing the country. And we didn't really know where we were going, but we just knew that we needed to go somewhere. And we ended up at one of the camps where our car got stolen. And then in in our car, we had everything, our passports, our clothes, and we were literally standing on a street without anything. We paid a person to drive us to the Swedish border. And he was pretending that he was married to my mom. And I was their child. And we, well, we schemed them, (laughs) so to say. We entered Sweden. And we were sent to a refugee camp, number five, maybe on this journey. And suddenly one year passed and we got our like green card. Um, and that's where I grew up in a small town in the middle of Sweden called Jönköping. And uh, I felt ashamed that, it, you know, this was my background because I, I wasn't like the other kids there was something different with me. And they all, you know, they were from the area, Swedish mom and dad. I was the weird kid that had fled a war and no one really knew what that was, besides that it was just tragic. Um, 
And there she built self-esteem in me, saying that it's, you know, it sounds simple, but I, she was always acknowledging that it's okay to be different. You know, she was really telling me that I am the way that I am for a reason and I don't need to be adjusted into the box. I can always be a free spirit and a free mind and no one is going to judge me. But I need to take care of of what I can do for others. Because if anything that we learn from our journey is that it's not about, you know, me and her, it's about us all. And uh, that's pretty much what, you know, where my values are and why I am pre- the pe- person that I am, where I'm very, you know, caring and very deep-rooted and grounded. It's very much because when having your whole childhood swept away, where you're not this like happy child running on a grass mat and, you know, the sun is shining and everything's happy-go-lucky, when you actually experience a trauma and when you experience that you're fleeing from a war and you know, you're taking care of your family at such a young age, um, you really understand how delicate life is and that every day, every minute counts. And as many other immigrant kids, you become a survivor and you become a fighter and you are persistent and you don't lay down if you someone is hitting on you, you know, hits you hard. You don't lay down. You get you get up and you get punched again and again and again eh? because that's how, how you survive. And I think when experiencing something like that, you really see how how what relationships and you know your the society and the people around you mean to you. So I always knew from a young age that network that that's how my mom got into getting really acclimatized into the Swedish society because she started networking with people that helped her get a job, people that helped her with uh, getting an education, people that helped me getting some friends. So it was really, you know, the power of a community, so to say. I think that's a super inspiring story, first of all. But I also love what you just said about networking and learning that from your mother. And I think the networking that you witnessed was a much more organic natural form of it i think sometimes today it it has like a negative connotation to it where it almost feels networking sometimes carries the weight of of doing something with an intention of Mm -hmm. something else Mm -hmm. or you're talking to this some person because you want something and at times i think people really misunderstand the definition of networking and as important as it is for you to put your ask out there, it's also important for you to help others with theirs. Definitely. It, it's such a bonding experience if networking is... That's my definition of networking. And sometimes I really don't... I get what you mean with your you know, your point of it has become this superficial. You're trying to get somewhere. You just want to you know, climb over other people. So that's why when you go networking, you put your cards on the table and you disorganize person that knows exactly what you want. That has never been by definition of networking networking you know by per definition is the the people that surround you and if you fall they're going to pick you up that is the definition of networking for me to have a foundation to stand on to exchange experience with and be helped and get at the same time give help eh? 
So it's such an exchange that I always saw networking as the major thing for everyone, whether they want to, you know, survive, start a career, build a family, uh, learn new things. It's so much about what you what you need from other people and how they can help you. You are the co-founder of the female global network, HER. What was the process like in co-founding this? When and why did this initial idea come about? I noticed that women were treating one another not in a nice way. My career in the European Parliament was very shortly. I was there for two years. And something that, you know, I experienced while being there was that I, I got bullied by these women. And I didn't see it when I was there because I had such a hard time feeling that I was identifying with being bullied. I couldn't see myself as a person that was bullied. So I didn't want to admit that I was. But I moved back to Stockholm in Sweden and just felt like either I go to therapy to handle what had just happened to me or... I just do something about it. I met with my co-founder, Sophia Kasim. We, she was also working in politics. Out of curiosity, we, we started speaking and then we also started sharing that women really were doing this not only you know, in the European Parliament, she also had experience of it. And then we were, but what can we do? You know, Because a happy person doesn't bully. That was the ground thesis. And a happy person doesn't do elbows. A happy person isn't rude to someone else. That happens to a person that is not feeling well. So how can we feel, you know, bring the feelings to the table where we invite these women to, to ask them how they feel and let them know that feelings can be acknowledged. Vulnerability is a strength, it's not a weakness. And let's talk about what we can do to help one another instead of competing with one another. I know it was weird for everyone because we all been taught to network by business cards and I go around the table and this is how you contact me and this is what I want. But no one was really like, hey, let's sit at the table and have a, you know, who are you? And what can we do here to help you? Uh, um, so we started her out of that as a passion project, an Excel hobby project where we, both of us invited five women each, literally, to the first dinner. And we were just having conversations around how it felt to be a woman. And a year passed, and this little passion baby just excelled. We had, you know, a woman from all parts of industry that wanted to attend, because it, it just spread as a grassroots community. Women were inviting one another. They were hearing about us. They were also hearing what what kind of, you know, safe space we created for them where they they weren't someone's sister, they weren't someone's mother, they weren't someone's colleague, they were, they were not someone's friend. They were just being themselves. It really says so much about how society was ready for something like this too. Exactly. And no one was doing, because female networks are usually run by someone that has some interest in running it, and not by people that had an interest in sharing how they were feeling. You know, that's literally when I look at it right now, it's the definition of group therapy that you organize in a community where you're just like, how are you feeling? And how can we be there for one another? I we love that. <sighs> I love that. And with that, I feel, I know as I've attended some of the HER events, yeah. um, 
vulnerability yeah. is such a crucial element for you uh, within that network. Mm. Can you talk a little bit why vulnerability is so fundamental in creating and establishing meaningful relationships? Because relationships start with you, you know, who are you and what, what, what do you need? And what do you need as a person? What do you need as a woman? What do you need as, you know, in the sense of you want to give something to someone? Um, and if you don't know how who you are, you need to start with asking yourself these questions. What makes me me? What what makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? Which is vulnerability? That's literally having the conversation with you. Who am I and what do I want? You know, is the two hardest questions to answer because if we're constantly on autopilot, we're just running. We're just, you know, saving ourselves from the thoughts that are being in our head. We're just running. Yeah? But being vulnerable is being able to say, I'm not feeling that well. I'm not feeling that well because this happened in my life right now. Or I'm not feeling that well because I feel lost in the previous things that I have done. They are not associated to me. And we are not, you know, it's never been nice to speak like that. You should just be happy and move on. But never deal with, you know, what stems from you, the root cell of you, which is your feelings. They've always been suppressed. Because, again, I know this sounds like a repeat. Patriarchy is not, is, haven't been built on emotions. It's been, it has been built on power and strengths. Which is what, in, in the sense, like, there is a difference between men and women. And we are more emotional, we are more vulnerable, and we need to teach one another the differences that we have. So it is our responsibility to educate and teach and put on the table how to be vulnerable and invite men into it, 100%. But then we can't be suppressed by being vulnerable ourselves, which we had been previously. You also subsequently founded HAN, which stands for Her Online Network. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? So magic things happened where people started to look, you know, into the network and just like, who can I build a business with? Who can I recruit? Where can I find someone to, as an, a tech investor, invest in? What entrepreneurs are they here? When I travel to London, who can I meet with? When I need inspiration because I want to change careers, you know, I don't want to follow the conventional career path. Who do I look at? And all these questions were suddenly, you know, coming to my desk. And I was just like answering them in a form of like being at telephone central. I was at the same time thinking, we, I can't place, you know, all these women in a Facebook group. It's going to be chaotic. And based on the authenticity and the vulnerability and everything that we're talking about, Facebook is not a platform that I connect with around ability, authenticity, you know, being literally in this avatar and being created by these two teenage boys that, you know, wanted to gossip about the last week's party. It's not designed for human connections in a deeper level. And then I didn't felt I, you know, I couldn't bring them to LinkedIn and like, hey, now you go where, you know, the men network on the hard values and skills. And at the same time, Instagram is not built for, you know, connectivity in a sense of deeper relationships we have all of this technology that really should be working for us 
as of now, I feel that is working against us. And we need these networks to help us on our path forward. We need to have a space where we can give and learn and ask. And something that is literally designed with these this thinking from the start. A space that has been on authenticity and vulnerability and that is also, you know, enhancing us as people using technology. Because that's the next step of where I want to contribute to the tech world and make it more human. And that's when I just started designing Han. I was like, what do this woman that I see as a profile, what does she need and how can I help her? through technology to get that how do you ensure that it's it's always coming from a place of intention so this is where i wanted in Han to really structure how can i lead our members into actions that i know are good for them how can i make sure that they help one another and one of these parts was that i was really in we have something called the discover feed and i wanted to kind of direct them on what they could do there out of simplicity we have really eliminated the possibility to like one another's post because we in the beginning it was a little bit of an accident to be honest because it took such a long time to code like that we were like okay let's just discard that part eh? and let's have you can post and you can post around and you know a recommendation that you need from someone or an ask that you have or advice that you want to give or you know and something that you want to inspire the community with so it was very much around optimism and positivism but we and then we had that you could comment but you couldn't like the post and what we start when we started doing user testing and asking people what they liked about Han, they were like, "I love that you don't have a like button," and it was like, "Wow, really?" Uh, we're kind of thinking of uh, you know editing that part in next week. They're like, "No, this is where you know we feel that we want to be. We don't want to feel that someone is judging us based on, hey guys, I need help, and then you're." you know, liking my post. What does that mean? Are you reaching out to help me or you just want to make sure that I feel seen? Because if I just feel seen, you're actually not helping me. Helping me is making sure that you're doing, taking an action. And we're like, wow, she's so right. And from there, we're just like, let's never put that in. And this has been one of the main drivers in successes of Han is that they really feel that this is a space where they're not being judged. They can be themselves and they can reach out and they can be extroverted and people will, if they can help them, they will comment that they can help them. Eh? Um, so I think this has been one of the main drivers. And another one is that we really didn't have the whole connect and follow so in the beginning, we had a pretty like lost, you know, members base asking, oh, do I connect and follow? Where do I connect and follow? Because people are so, they're so taught about, you know, how the rest of the social media works that they immediately wanted to do exactly the same things that they did on different platforms. And we were like, no, we don't want you to do those things here. We want you to elaborate who you are and bring in your story, but we don't want you to be, build you know, hierarchical networks because we want vertical networks where everyone feels that they're equally part of it. No one is more popular than the other one, eh? which is otherwise what social media is built on, eh? which then becomes a drive for the ego. 
what has been the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Don't follow advice. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is. Like, uh, that's something that my mom told me, you know. She was like, do what you want to do. Uh, other people's advice is their stories. It's their experiences. It's what they've been taught. And some people even have attention with the advice that they're giving you. You know, I never try to tell people what to do. Neither, you know, the people that I work with, my team or people around me, my best, you know, my best friends. I just, I, I want to coach them out of my experience and let them know this is, you know, something that I did. I learned from it. I did it this way. My suggestion would be that you start thinking for yourself. What pulls you? What doesn't pull you? Where do you feel safe? Where do you feel grounded? Where do you feel the best version of you? And work with that. And then trust your gut. Trust, you know, we are all energetic magnets. All, everything that happens in us is telling us something. Trust what is your body is saying to you. Listen to it and slow down. Eh? Um, so that I don't never try to give people active advice. And I don't take in any active advice either but I like love listening to people's stories I get so inspired by someone that is doing something completely different from me you know far ahead and I get so many ideas by just connecting different dots but advice is very subjective you know it's based on someone else's experiences I can't I can't tell you what to do you know that best but you can hear my story and something might inspire you to act upon. There's something to be said about listening to advice from somebody who inspires you or is doing something that you like. Yes. I remember once I thought about pursuing acting when yeah. I was younger. And I reached out to a family friend who had been an actress for many years. And I said, can I just get some advice? I want to be an actress. And she said, don't do it. It's a terrible industry. It's a terrible job. Mm. I don't recommend it. And I was crushed. What and an I remember I went back to my parents and I was so upset that somebody gave me such negative advice. And they reminded me, they said, well, look at her career path. Do you think she feels that she's made it or that she's reached where she wants to be in her mm. position exactly. or that she's still struggling mm. after all these years to mm. find her place in that industry that she chose yeah if she's not where she wants to be then she's not going to give positive advice to somebody else looking to enter that field exactly and because so i feel it's important to to choose who you're accepting it from completely and, and where they are and where they are exactly and that part some some people even have intentions with advice that they're giving you you know maybe she just like felt competition or something and she's like Definitely. don't go here don't go here and you don't know that, eh? but you, you need to be selective with understanding that not everything everyone is saying is for your benefit. Sometimes people are hurt, they have traumas, they have, they don't mean to, you know, be mean or something. Definitely. But be objective just by knowing that in the end, you know what to do. Because there, there is a feeling with you inside that is telling you something. And you just need to be 
open-minded into listening to that and be curious and also try so many different things uh, people are too afraid of changing careers uh, because they feel there's such an identifications to the things that they are doing uh, and i just feel like no if you want like you want to change career do it there's life is so short we need to experience everything that we want everything that we feel that we can do Find a way to turn your hobby into a full-time job if that's what you love. Find a way of seeing where maybe if you don't want to work with your passion, you know, as a full-time job, find a way to turn your hobby project into a passion project. Something that you can bring into your work that, you know, it is elaborating on your work efficiency because you've been taught to find that there's different ways of being creative than just nine to five. And I think we all just need to break free from the patterns and we need to support one another in those decisions. Because a lot of like communication starts with like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Maybe just because it makes me feel good. Absolutely. So I, I'm not saying like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of community and people and having um, amazing network around you. But sometimes you just need to listen to yourself and follow that path and be around people that are going. That's the most important ingredients. Be around people that are going to encourage you to continue striving for what you want. Yeah. I think that's huge to realize one I think intuition is key and it's something that everybody should try to strengthen and Mm. and listen to inside themselves a lot of times you have the answer you're just you don't want to admit it or you're blocking yourself from hearing it Uh, but a lot of times the answer is already there always and advice should really be looked at for for what it is the word itself it's advisement yes on a topic it should never dictate your decision it's just there to to add a little something exactly and that's what always when people come to me like can i get two cents with you or can i get your advice on i'm like i can listen to you and i can tell how i you know how i project this story into my experiences but i'm not going to tell you what to do because this is what literally, you know, especially in forms of like building a team, you recruit people to do, you know, learn. You recruit people to take actions. You, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to work with the best people that are good at the thing that they do, not the people that are going to do what I tell them to do. Yeah. So it's something that you need to, you need to, if you, if you have that authority, you need to teach other people that. This is why I want to work with you, because I know you're going to take these decisions. But I will be here if you need me as a support, if you need to hear my experiences or my guidance or previous lessons learned. But I want you to trust your gut. I want you to trust your gut and I want you to lean into your creativity and know that you got this. And if it goes wrong, you learn from it and then we move on. Because otherwise you just get dependent on that there's a right and a wrong. It's never right and a wrong. If there was a right and a wrong, the world would have written only one business book. You know, and there are 400 thousands of Very them true. out there. Because there is no formula for anything. You do it out of who you are and your, you know, the energies in you and your wish and striving and capabilities and that you feel trusted in the surrounding that you are to take those decisions. 
we always end the podcast the same with mm -hmm. the same question. Yeah. You are out of office. What do you do with your day? Oh my God. Right now I'm such a, I'm a like workout alcoholic. <laughs> I, I get so much, I put so much energy into people. Like this is what I love doing. I love connecting people. I really do. And I love building relationships that I see are building a meaning into the world. And that takes so much energy. It really, I for every time as we were speaking earlier, every time you meet someone, you give that person a bit of you. And the only way for me to restore myself, because I love what I do, is to fuel energy into me. It's to balance me. It's to reinforce that now I refuel me. Because at the same time as I get, you know, empty, and, and I know when I'm empty, then I know I need to go and refill myself. And for me, that hour of refillment is going to the gym. That's where, you know, my energies are being restored. And then I just love to go home and read a book and take in, you know, more 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 stories more lessons more just feeling that the world is such an amazing place with so much inspiration and so much things to learn and just being for myself i need a lot of alone time i'm that you know the combination of being an extrovert and an introvert i have those both i love being an extrovert but then i love to draw myself back and just be for myself it's like a recovery time it's like a recovery and i don't need to do so many things you know i need to pick up a book maybe definitely listen to this podcast um and just find that i am so comfortable in the space of me that i enjoy my company and I'm, I don't need any distractions to feel that I am entertained. Thanks for joining my conversation with Alex. You can read more and apply for membership with Han at www.joinhan.com. If based in the U.S., email community at joinhan.com to become an ambassador. Thanks again for tuning in to the Out of Office podcast. Hit subscribe to keep up with us, and of course, rate or share with a friend. We'd like to open up to our hotline for a few career-related questions with Baba. For a chance to have your career questions answered in upcoming episodes, email us at hotline at bybaba.com. How do you create healthy boundaries in a world where most industries are so relationship-based today? For me, the kind of like recipe to success and to, you know, keep myself sane is to really surround myself by people who I admire both professionally and personally. So I do a lot of business with people who I also consider friends. And... Um, I recognize that that's maybe not the norm, um, but I do think that there is we're moving into a more modern approach of doing business and kind of we've seen examples prove that you can indeed mix business and pleasure. Um, and I think that's what's made me successful is that a lot of my work relationships are very authentic. I'm not just using someone because they work at a certain company. I, I try to just do business with people that I actually like. When considering a job, how do you know when to sacrifice the position for the sake of the company 
or when to understand your value and move on. You have to ask yourself what your goal with that specific job is. Are you there to learn or are you there to get a specific title on your resume? And and, and both might be a good a good thing to prioritize at different stages of your career. If I look back at my own career, when I was at Uber, I was definitely there to learn. I almost consider that as like a paid business goal. To me, that was the best experience ever. I couldn't care less about what title I had. I was there because I felt like I was like a sponge. I was just learning so much. Um, and then obviously, eventually, after being there for a few years, you, you maybe start to realize that, okay, this is the value that I'm bringing into the company. Maybe this is a good time for me to have a conversation about um, a next position or a next challenge. Um, and I think if you have exhausted those options with your manager and you feel like they're not being taken serious maybe that's when it's time to leave and that's totally okay sometimes you have to move jobs in order to get heard how do you get the most out of your work experience i think by being very proactive and asking a lot of questions that's always the best move People don't always know what you're interested in. So making sure that you are vocal about projects you want to be part of, asking questions, making yourself available, solving problems for other people is normally the best way to get recognized and really rise in the career ladder. What are your best tips for prioritizing and productivity? I think that routines, as much as... I have a love-hate relationship to to the idea of routines are really the key to success. I have yet to hear about a successful person who doesn't have any routines. I feel like every time you read about really successful CEOs, they, they have routines they're trying to stick to. Um, so that's something that I am personally working on. And for me, morning routines is normally what really sets me up for success in the for the rest of the day. And if I if I screw up my morning, I normally have a pretty shitty day. So kind of understanding what are your triggers for success and how can you try to implement those on a routine basis. Do you have any advice for breaking out of comfort zone when switching career paths? I think asking yourself what is the worst thing that can happen is a very great start because more often than not, when we verbalize our fears, we realize that it's not that much to be. It's not that much to fear. Um, for instance, if you're in a job and you really want to be on a certain project, and you're really scared of asking because what if you don't get it? But if you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? You ask for it. They say no. You're still where you are now. So we very rarely have so much to lose when we when it actually comes down to it. So that's something that I always try to come back to if I find myself being scared or just trying to stick to my comfort zone, I ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? How do you cultivate a powerhouse team and create a place of growth for them? Well, I guess this is a question back to you, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a constant, um, I wouldn't say struggle, but something that I put a lot of time and effort into ongoing because what worked six months ago might not be as relevant now anymore. So you really have to understand each team member's individual perspective and understand what drives them. 
And I think that's something that I have definitely learned over my um, experience as a leader is that in the early days of my um, of me being a manager, I assumed that everyone was like me. I just assumed that everyone had the same drivers, the same type of motivations, but obviously that's not the case. People are different and they're motivated by different things. So trying to understand what really sparks something in your team is really important and then make sure you're creating those paths for each individual. Out of Office is not just a conversation with our guests. It's also a conversation with you. Send us your career questions to hotline at buybaba.com and we'll answer them in our upcoming episodes. This podcast was produced by Tinka Media and music was brought to you by Blue Dot Sessions.